0: Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. We have turned the corner. We are now into July. We've only got a couple more short months, and we'll be back in the field before you know it. Next, days. next big holiday is Dove. Days,
1: days getting shorter. They are next big holiday is Dove Eve for us. Just for the record, where do people buy more waiters and license at? Uh, Arkansas. And if you're going to live in Arkansas, on. if you're going to live in Arkansas, what do you need? You need waiters. And who, and who makes the best waiters out there?
0: Shin Gear Waiters, made out of nylon, not that cheap shit polyester. Uh, they've reimagined the way that you do the seams. They do it, uh, Jeff. Like and, a tin can. Jeff you enlightened us on that one. Uh, but yeah, we are now sponsored by Shin Gear Waiters. They're taking the waiter market by storm. You can look them up at shingear.com. These waiters are available for pre order right now. So you can go over there, you can pre-order them, and then they start shipping uh, in a couple weeks, so it won't be long.
1: Folks, let me tell you something. You young guys especially listen to me from an old-timer. If you're going to dunk your boys in the water, you don't want them cold. You don't want to do that, so get you some good waders because there's nothing worse than dunking your boys in icy water and having your bootleg full of it. Am I right, Andy?
0: That is actually correct. Jeff's only done it once, and that was good enough for him. No,
1: I done it in 1981, and I'll never forget. So I learned my lesson. So once, yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of times that year, but, yes, that was the last time I wore waiters all the time.
0: Shingear.com, and they can change the way that you do waiters, direct to consumer and uh, good customer service standing behind their products. So go check them out, shingear.com. We're also brought to you by Pacific Custom Calls at pacificcustomcalls.com. Hands down the best duck call that I've ever blown in the PCD.
1: Go see them boys out west in eastern Washington. Trevor and Alex and tell them we sent you. they Stefan. Really... Go make sure you say hi to Stefan if you're out there.
0: <laughs> he's uh he's on a rock and roll tour right now. Everybody's wanting a little bit of a
1: little bit now? of Stefan. Huh? Stefan is Doc Holiday. Oh think. yeah,
0: Every, everybody fucking loves Stefan. Yep. But uh they they do. They've got one of the best duck calls that I've ever blown. Uh they're constantly trying to master the products that they have, so go check them out, PacificCustomCalls.com, and I believe there's even a promo code active, BHP25 can save you 25% with them. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, geez, they've got more products, they've got a new layout chair coming out, they've got new flag coming out, that's the one I'm looking forward to, because I have had hell finding a, a goose flag that uh, can stand up to seven days of use, so. Um, and also Dive Bomb is coming out with a brand new pose, a new speckle belly pose, a V2 uh, alternate pose. And it's going to kind of show that uh, those those lighter colored breast feathers and it'll add a nice contrast and a nice pop to your decoy spread this fall. They're really a one-stop shop whenever it comes to uh, silhouettes and floaters. Like I said, be looking out for some of the other stuff they got coming out. That's at divebombindustries.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Bismuth is the way to go. It's back end style, shipped straight to your door, no middleman.
1: It's Dad's final resting pace. We dropped <laughs> we dropped Dad off with Brandon and uh, Zach, and he's going to be loaded up in some shotgun shells, and we'll be shooting them around here this next couple of years. I don't know if I'm gonna shoot mine.
0: Well, depends on how much depends on how far Ron goes.
1: Dad's dream was to be shot in shotgun shells. So he's and getting now he's got it with the, the guys best you over can at, have.
0: at Boss Shot Shells. They've got a simple approach make a great shotgun shell that hits hard and has a clean kill. So go check them out at BossShotShells.com. Also, we're brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. It's the only way that I start my morning, every single morning, especially here when I'm running on little sleep at the Big Honker Lodge. we got a new blend out the Missouri Boat Ride. They've got a high velocity, they've got good looking merchandise. So Head over to DirtyDuckCoffee.com, get what you're going to need for those little pick-me-ups. Be shot out of a cannon with a cup of the duck. Also we're brought to you by Lucky Duck, best blind on the market. Now they've got a big boy dog crate for big dogs like Lou. Five-star crash test rated. They've also got fan system that you can put on this crate and keep your dog cool in the summertime. Constantly innovating over there at Lucky Duck. Uh, like I said, they've already got the best blind that's on the market with the uh, Lucky Duck 2x4. You can fit four grown men. Tops come together real nice. And uh, spinners, can't beat them. Go check them out, luckyduck.com. We're also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. New bumpers are out. I'm getting my dog in shape right now. Go buy the
1: first aid kit. Everybody needs to have a first aid kit with them. Keep one in your truck. Keep one in your blind. When you need it, you need it. The times you don't need it, that's a great day. But when you do need it, you can sure make your day a little better by having one.
0: If you're a hunting guide, you should carry one in your in your
1: In your vehicle bag. or in your blind bag. I agree with you. I mean, so.
0: you need to carry a couple. Like you said, one in your pickup, one in your blind bag for when you're out in the out in the spread. But the, you just don't know what's going to happen, and you need to be prepared for everything. This uh, safety kit got a lot of cool features. So go check them out at Gundog Outdoors. And if you've got a fat dog like I got a fat dog named Lou, they got uh, new bumpers out right now, and they're nice too. They're nice and soft. they got a nice weight to them. You can throw them a long way.
1: You working with Lou tonight again, or is it just a one-night deal?
0: <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Gundogoutdoors.com. We're also brought to you by Goose Creek Retrievers. Speaking of gun dogs, Matt Peel, he's on a circuit right now. He is just going to all the hunt tests. I think he's killing it at most of them. He's uh, he's putting out a lot of great dogs right now. He's, uh, he's a hell of a dog trainer. If you've got any questions about your hunting dog, for this coming season, if you've hit a sticking point and you need a professional, I would highly recommend you check out Matt Peel at Goose Creek Retrievers. You can check him out online. Uh, Instagram is Goose Creek Retrievers, or uh, you can just find Matt Peel. Shoot man, him a message. and The man help works you.
1: hard and loves the animals. He does. And that's what you want in a dog trainer.
0: He is living the dream, baby. Living the dream. <clears throat> so go check him out at Goose Creek Retrievers. We're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Logan and Rebel, y'all put enough pressure on them. They're Recording episodes are up on Patreon right now, so uh, you can subscribe to their Patreon account. Uh, it's a small monthly fee, and you can get the bourbon reviews are free to everybody. But you can you'll be uh, allowed access to listen to all the shenanigans going on over there at uh, the Cheek Beater Studios. They put on a great podcast, so go check them out. Looking Glass
1: Club, East Texas Rebel, and Fanboy Logan. <laughs>
0: Uh, We're also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. They ship whiskey straight to your door. It is a beautiful whiskey that I have enjoyed all summer long. I make my whiskey sours out of it.
1: Did you see who Brandon Bing was with this weekend? Who? John Daly. John Daly. John Daly. Sitting at the bar with him. Having him a bangtail. Was he really? Yeah. John, well, I don't know if John had because I don't know if he's on the bottle or not. But John looks like he's had lots of good days. So yeah. Brandon Bing is meeting some really cool people and getting to hang out with some people like that. So cool. pretty cool.
0: Well, that's cool. I know uh, you look on uh, you look online and bangtails kind of <laughs> taking off everywhere. So check them out if they're at your uh, local liquor store, Bangtail Whiskey. It is, uh, it's a very good whiskey and I cannot recommend it enough. So go check them out, bangtailwhiskey.com.
1: This podcast finally brought to you by iSight Drones, which we have pipeline inspections, wind turbine inspections, well pad inspections, power line inspections, solar panel inspections. So if you have anything in the outdoor business, outdoor stuff, oil related, construction, farming, they can take care of you. They support drain tile survey, do stand counts, ranch land inspections, severe weather inspections, livestock counts, and watershed mapping. Folks, it's 2021, and drones are part of our world. Eyesight Drones can do it all. Construction, farming, ranching, oil, every industry can use it. It's so much easier and quicker, and they can get stuff done. They can do 3D modeling, volumetrics, aerial site mapping, and job site monitoring, and that's iSight Drones, and that's iSightDrones.com. We're
0: also brought to you, last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. If you want dates with us, you better call in a hurry because the little bit of time that I had before we started rolling on this podcast, the phones have been ringing off the hook. So, it is not going to be long and we're going to be just about booked up. So, we've got some dub dates available and uh, a couple weekdays for goose hunting. So, look us up, Stanford Hunting Outfitters, or you can call us 940 658 317 All right, boys and girls, this episode of the podcast, we're joined by the man behind Gundog Outdoors, Mr. Alex Langbell. Uh, He's reached retirement. He's a retired man. He's out there in Montana farming ducks now. He's in a great spot. We're really uh, really glad to have him back on the podcast, and we hope that you enjoy it. Here he is, Alex Langbell.
1: And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Gun Dog Outdoors. Almost screwed up again. (laughs) I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver. That is me. It's steamy down here today, it feels like. Yeah, it's a lot of moisture. We've got a lot of water in the ground everywhere you go.
0: That must be it. We're not used to it. On the phone
1: with us today or
0: on Skype, all that good stuff. Mr. Alex Langbell. How are you?
2: I'm wonderful. How
1: are you guys?
0: We're we're doing good. We're kicking down, you know, those dog days of summer. We're knocking them
1: down, getting closer and closer. Is that a yeah. is that a painting of Russell Wilson behind you?
2: <laughs> actually, it is. It was his uh, second year when uh, he was just actually crushing it. He still is crushing it, but yeah. yes, sir, it is.
1: You know, I've uh, I drafted him last year, and I'm not going to say nothing about how I come out, but I am the champion of our league again last year. <laughs> and I, every year, whatever whoever has Russell Wilson has finished in the money every year in our league. He yeah. is consistent as they come. So, yeah. I, I are you a big Seahawks fan?
2: Yeah, I have to be, man. I you <laughs> know, I I lived I lived in the Northwest for shoot since '89, and and uh, I'm a big football fan, and uh, you know, it's uh, you gotta you gotta like the Seahawks because they're just uh, kind of up here by themselves, and and we really don't have anyone to root for. So it's uh, like Seahawks, you got if you're either in Idaho, Montana, or, or Oregon, or Washington, it's just like. You gotta like the Seahawks. Although I'm finding there are a lot of a lot of Denver fans living over here in Montana. But yeah, it's, there's still plenty of Seahawks.
1: Probably gonna be a match. We've got a local kid that plays for Seattle. Yeah. He was a first round draft pick, Lawrence Collier. LJ or LJ Collier, I'm excuse oh, me. Lawrence's yeah. dad. He's, he's stud. He's from twelve miles down the road from here. Um He's a stud. So a- Andy thinks Arizona's gonna win the division. I think Andy's on crack. What do you think? Did I say it? Well, fuck it. When the yeah. fuck did I say that? About two months ago on the podcast, you picked Arizona to win it.
2: <laughs> well, well being a Seahawk fan, I'd be hung, hung by my nuts if I if I said Arizona or L.A. or any of the other teams. So I no, I got to disagree with with Andy. If he said
1: it. <laughs> he did <laughs> say he might, said I, Arizona's going to be in the playoffs. I, I go, remember. huh? He goes, who's going to beat them? I, I thought, well, remember. fuck, San Francisco and Seattle. <laughs> And probably yeah. the Rams.
0: I don't remember if I said that or not.
1: Listen, I graduated from, I graduated from Texas
0: Tech. So, like, if I have any opportunity to kind of hype up Cliff Kingsbury, I got to take it. So, uh, okay. listen, I, I don't know that I really
1: – You did not I
0: don't know that I meant what I said. I think no. I was just trying to get a rise out of Jeff. More than that's stupid. The, that's the thing. Half the stuff I say, I'm really just trying to poke the bear over there and get an argument going. So, that's really –
1: that's, well, that's that's really where I, well, taking yeah. Arizona to go to the playoffs was damn sure stupid, and then to be going for <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, he's never won anywhere.
0: Hard to deny. It. Ouch. Okay, Ouch. it's hard to deny. He beat your fucking Longhorns. That were no, he wasn't there. I was just talking about my Red Raiders.
1: Yeah, it was Mike Leach. Whatever. I don't give a so shit. Anyways, how 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 is business at Gun Dog? Y'all busy?
2: Oh man, we're killing it. We're doing great. It's uh, it's amazing when you put out quality product and you stand behind customer service 100% and and just uh are genuine and and focused on um, just, you know, having a good company that takes care of the customers and and more so just taking care of the the dogs and the gun dogs and I mean, we're doing we're doing wonderful. I mean, Cabela's just reached out to me a couple couple months ago and they want to carry our aid kit. So um, that's saying something, you know, so I don't know whether or not we'll do it, but right now, <laughs> right now things are going really well. In fact, I was able to retire a little early. Um, I retired as soon as I could and now I'm just focused on, uh, growing the company and hunting and traveling and living the dream, man. You know?
1: how, how long were you a fireman?
2: Uh, 27 years. 27, 27 years.
1: So. so you started out as a fireman in 1984? No. Is that right? No. no. 1994. I'm sorry. <laughs> 94. I'm Jesus sorry. Christ, God yeah. You started as a fireman <laughs> in 1994.
0: Yes.
2: Exactly. 94. Good job. Was there a big. Yeah, I started out a volunteer and then I became a resident and then I decided I really want to do it for a living and I just started uh, testing and then, yeah, became a fireman. And, and I, I never thought I wanted to move up the ranks. I thought I was going to be happy with just being a firefighter, but apparently my bosses thought otherwise and I kept getting promoted and ended up, uh, as rank as a training captain. So I was responsible for running the training division for our, our department. And so that was pretty, pretty cool uh, position. I didn't get to, I didn't have the glory of fighting fire and going in and coming out all, you know, after the, after 20 years, but the last six years, I trained over 40 firefighters to to do their job and now they're working. So that's, it's pretty rewarding you knowing i put got my stamp on those guys, and, and they're really solid individuals and you know, carrying on the tradition of being a firefighter.
1: Did you notice a big change? My dad was a retired firefighter. Now, he was a fireman from the 70s to the mid-90s, but did you notice a big change in the fire department with uh, everything being so politically correct and not as much fun as it was when you were a rookie fireman and younger?
2: You know, it's pretty funny. I was just talking about this to – the coach of the local uh, high school football team here at the gym, I was working out at, and I was talking about um, how over on that, um, on the on the left side, I mean, the west side of the state, yeah. um, they're it, like anyone can, in their mindset, anyone can be a fireman. It's like if they fail the academy, um, we'll put you, re- re- recirculate you through and you'll make it the next time. And, and they're just wasting money and time. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've been in plenty of fires. I've been in situations where uh, I've been scared for my life. You know, obviously, you just, you just do it, do your job, and you don't say anything. But there's situations where you need to be on your game as an, as an athlete, and 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 not every. It's not a job for everyone. Not everyone can do that job of firefighter. And unfortunately, with the politicians out there, they feel like um, it isn't necessarily the best man for the job. It's a They feel like they have to hit a certain quota and do stuff like that which is completely wrong whereas in our department our training division we're on a much more conservative part part of the state where um our philosophy is the best man for the job or woman and it was it didn't matter i don't care if you're purple green grew or you know blue or gray it's like as long as you can do the job and you're you can beat everyone else out and do the job and you got the job and but they don't see it over there that way they see it's just like oh we got to hit a certain have a certain class of individuals because there's not enough for them in it and it's completely wrong because I'm telling you right now I've been doing it for I did it for a long time and there's situations that not everyone can handle you know not just physically but mentally and so that's why it's our department really focused on making sure you were physically able to do the job, and you're mentally able to do the job. And so, um, I had, I had a, my training lieutenant was a, a ex Marine sniper. Just in, he was Joe Burbank. He had a jaw that was just like a rock, and he would scare anyone. He scared me. I was just, officer <laughs> But anyway, he was in charge of, of making sure our young guys, um, they would pass the academy. And and I didn't. We didn't pull any punches. We didn't let any. If you didn't, if you didn't handle it, if you couldn't handle it. We sent you down the road. We just we're not going to deal with that politically correct stuff. And luckily, we didn't see it yet. You know, I'm not saying it's not coming, but w- at, when I left, it was still we had standards. We have a we have a bar we set, and that bar we're not moving it for anyone. Either you be past that, you made it, and you're you're like a firefighter, or you're not. And so that's, um, yeah. Poli- politics has Jeff. It has. Creeped at, crept into the, the fire service. And a, as we all see in the police service as well. I mean, it's
1: ridiculous what the, the new law passed in Washington, I guess, yesterday is absolutely the most asinine thing I've ever read. Police cannot chase you for 90% of the things <laughs> unless you've killed somebody.
0: I think it's that way. Yeah,
1: it's other places. And it's the stupidest shit ever. You can rape someone, but you can't. We'll just pick them up later down where, the road. Where,
0: where was that? Was it, it was after one of the shootings where they said that they would enact a no chase policy. Yeah, I just. Because
1: I, I think it was a shooting in Chicago maybe with a retarded kid. I don't think you can say retarded, Andy. What? I mean, you should know better than that.
0: Whatever he was. He was Men, on, mentally
1: disabled. What
0: was his name? Little killer or something like that? Oh, the kid that was Little Homicide. Street. Yes. Yeah, he I wasn't
1: think, he, retarded. He was just a thug.
0: One of them was retarded, I thought.
1: No, he's just a thug. But oh. Washington State just passed this law where you can't chase nobody for ninety percent right. of the things that you would chase them for. It's the dumbest shit ever. It's just let the cops have a free pass. I mean, the bad guys have a free pass. Cops don't have a chance to do their job no more.
2: No. Uh, twenty percent of the police force in Seattle would quit last year. I quit or moved on to other departments. I don't mind
0: the do job. Yeah, I don't blame them at all. And not only like you see this in so many where people are lowering like the bar to, to be in, they're lowering the bar to be in military and all these places. But not only is that dangerous to like you as an individual, it's dangerous to the people that you're working with. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I don't. How much do you weigh? Two hundred pounds? Two hundred ten pounds? Yeah,
2: yep, two hundred pounds. Yep, two two hundred five.
0: I mean, if you lower the bar to where somebody can, you know, only has to lift one hundred fifteen pounds, and that's all they're capable of doing. And you fall out in a fire, well, how are they supposed to drag you out?
2: Correct. That's exactly. That's exa- You nailed it, Andy. That's exactly what we preach. It's like you got to be able to do your job and pull someone out. And and that, when it comes down to it, we're doing a job. You know, not not all the times life threatening, but there are times in your career that it, it's going to be dangerous, and you're going to have to pull people out of buildings. I have pulled out many people out of buildings. Um, some alive. Some some not much but you still need to just man up and, and do your job and and unfortunately with this, the silly laws that they're passing now it's it's just really hurting the industry and and it's, you're right it's it's endangering the taxpayers the citizens because what if that's your your you know father your your mother or your grandfather in there and you got someone who can't who who took three times to pass the academy because they physically couldn't do it and but because we want to meet our quota we you know, that's just not right. And so, um, but this, this country is, is a mess in my opinion. So <laughs> that's why I moved out to the sticks to
0: where I have a long driveway. <laughs> so what, what were some of your, uh, some of your closer calls during your career as a, as a firefighter looking back on oh, that? I've
2: had, I've had, uh, I've had three incidents where I, I probably could have died um one incident was in a big uh, warehouse paint warehouse fire and we were our crew was always assigned to go in we had a really badass crew and when i was this is when i was a firefighter a lieutenant and and, the, and uh we were always assigned the tough the tough tasks and we had uh, this fire that we were either going to go in and put it out in within a few minutes or get out and we just going to call it. and and we went that we went in there and i can remember going in and it was so hot and it was so dark and then we finally made it to the fire room, and it's a big room. It's a it's a it's a warehouse type building. We got in there, and lo- we just managed to knock it down just in time before it really got going in there. And then that was scary. I mean, crawling in there, not being able to, I've been in a lot of house fires, but when you start crawling into a, a you know ten thousand square foot building that's just crap paint everywhere, it's, you know, mm-hmm. highly volatile uh, stuff like that. That that really makes your your butt pucker. And so um that was one situation i remember vividly when i was a firefighter and a couple other times and i was a <coughs> a uh, officer i remember uh, as, as a fire officer when you show up first on scene in a house fire you have to walk around the structure and and you got to make sure you give a good size up to the next coming crews and you know what you're dealing with whether it's a one-story two-story if it's a basement whatever if there's fire in the backside so on my walk around this first crew my crew is fighting fire in the front and i walked around the back and it's three in the morning dark I, I go around the back and I, I look down and I'm standing on a service drop and which was actually turned out to be charred. It was still alive. Oof. And that, I got lucky on that one because yeah, easily, you know, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I wouldn't be here today. And, and another time was, um, I was on the highway looking for, we had a rollover accident. We were trading one patient and, uh, uh, I went to the other side of the freeway looking for – because when you have rollovers, a lot of times people get ejected and they get thrown. you got to kind of look for them. So, again, it was just 2 in the morning. Um, walked out there. I looked to the other side of the freeway as I was walking back. Uh, we call them looky loose where they looking at the in- scene, not paying attention, mm-hmm. and they just uh, blew past me probably. And we got lights and highway patrol there and everything. And they didn't – they must have been drinking or something, I don't know. But they went past at a high rate of speed. I had to jump out of the way. Um, to to let you avoid getting hit, so that was I mean it. Great, literally grazed my my bunker gear, and so that would, that would have killed me right there. So oh. uh, just a little things you don't you think fire's gonna get you, but there's so many other ways to die in the fire service. Electricity scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah,
0: are, are, so. are those instances are they hard like when they first happen? Are they hard to like shake off and go? You know, kind of stick <laughs> your you know dick back in the hornets nest basically for a non poetic way of saying it
2: i never had the that problem it, you certainly think about it mm-hmm. you certainly are more careful the next time you certainly learn from your mistakes like everyone should you learn from what you you know i try to think i try to replay what i could have done better um with that electric you know the electrical line down you know next time i I just made sure I had a flashlight I wasn't focused on. I mean, three in the morning, I just woke up. Yeah. You know, the the fire was two two minutes away. You're still out of sleep trying <laughs> to do a size up for five engines coming in and, and run this fire out of a dead sleep. So it, you really have to be focused. So um, just I learned, you know, check the ground when I'm walking, walk around, educate my guys, teach them, make sure that they learn from my mistakes. And then the, and it's the same thing with the car. There's not much I really could have done. I, I was wearing, you know, vests, I flashlights on, it was, lights were lit up. That was just a, a dumb ass. I was not paying attention. And so but um no, I've never really focused. I I certainly think back now that I'm retired and I, I never really understood PTSD. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I do understand it, but I never thought, well, I don't I'm not gonna ever have to really deal with that. But it all came to light about a year ago when I realized I'm gonna retire. I'm retiring in a year. And all of a sudden, all these calls that I had dealt with for the last 27 years were popping on my head. I mean, I, I, and this one particular call with a 16 year old girl, I have a 16 year old girl at home. She was a, a block from her school. She had a pencil in her mouth and the airbag went off and it killed oh, her right fuck. there. And I was I was less than three months on. So here I'm this rookie, yeah, having to deal with this bloody and it was a bloody mess. Cute, just a cute little sixteen year old girl. Basically, there's a an anesthesiologist there. There's a nurse there. There was a fire department. You know, they were and we couldn't save her. And, and so little things like that. I mean, all the, I didn't think about it for 27 years, and all of a sudden now it's popping up because and I realized what's happening is you start reflecting back on your career and all these things that you kind of suppress. Mm-hmm. From doing your job because you can't dwell on it you just got to do your job and go on the next call whether it be someone being chopped up in a in a rock grinder like which I've seen and or whatever it's just like you just move on with your job but then when you get to near the end and you get older I'm you know I'm an older guy not too old but <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you start you know you, you you think about life more you start having kids and you start seeing that and they get older and you, anyway you get more compassion I guess and uh, so anyway, that I, I made sure I, I went and had um, some good counseling, mm-hmm. talked to a really good gal and we just talked about it and she c- completely laid it out for me and told me there's, you know, this is very uh, um, common for people, first responders to go through. And so now I, I totally get it and, and um, I feel good after actually talking about it because just, you know, in, in the fire service, and the police service, wherever, we have a thing called black humor where we get back from a call and there might be someone dead there and it ants crawling in their body cavity or whatever and we're eating a sandwich laughing about it, right? Right. Not really us laughing uncompassionate. It's us getting it off our chest, talking to each other. And it's just a it's just a way we any firefighter or any first responders listening to this totally gets it. And it's just the way we get it off our chest. It's just our our way to cope with it. And so um yeah, but now you know, like I said, you get older, you you don't have that anymore you 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 got to especially now that I'm disconnected from the fire service pretty much I'm retired and just growing ducks hopefully and, and living a very simple life out in in the country you know so
0: Well I think yeah, were but, you
1: over, were you overprotective my dad was so overprotective about shit that would wear me out like <laughs> If we're going to go out and you're in, a high, you're in high school and you go with your friends to ride around, it was just always a battle about shit because yeah. he had drugged too many people out of wrecks. He'd been, you know, he, yeah. he had, he'd seen all that stuff. So I was, he, I guess every time he went to a wreck and stuff, he used to tell me, and I didn't, I didn't realize it until I had kids, but he would tell me all the time that every time he'd get called to a wreck scene, your heart's racing until you get there to see it's not someone, you, one of your loved ones or your friends. I
2: yeah. That, Luckily, I did. I lived in a town, of big enough, over a hundred thousand people, that I didn't have to worry too much. But I do. I did think about that, Jeff. I did think about like, uh, like, you, you, I went on a couple who was coming home from church one day, and they, a police pursuit. Um, this guy, this douchebag, freaking t-boned him killed him right there. and We pulled him out. So ever since then, I was just like, so I, I, I tell my, tell my wife, my my kids, like whenever they're driving, just. You know, be careful. Now, I was never overprotective, but I certainly thought about it, and it certainly scared me at times. I, I mean, I, you know, I try not to dwell on it, but yeah, absolutely. And that's why you know the whole gun dog thing came up about the safety thing with the with the dogs and getting hurt and shot and injured in the field and stuff like that. So naturally, being um someone who's always watching out, trying to protect people and and care for life, it's just natural for us to to think about that. So. Um, I'm sure that's, you know, as much as it might have irritated you with your dad and stuff, he was obviously only concerned about, you know, your his family because he loves and cares for him so much and would be devastated if anything ever happened to him, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, so. he he would just see it, and he would, I mean, but it would wear me out, though. But then when I got yeah. to be a parent, when I become a parent, then I understood more of the, because you put yourself in that situation. And and he was in a big town. He was a town of a hundred thousand people. But he would, I don't. I don't I'm not saying they take the work home from him. But like you said, the coping mechanism. If you can't laugh about stuff, you know, that's yeah. Yeah, that's a way of coping with things.
0: Well, and I mean, you know, you talk to any. We have firemen hunt out here. We have police, military, you name it, and we, you know, we see it. And that's just that's just kind of the sense of sense of humor is also not the, but it's just like you said it's just the way that they can talk about it and i mean you know we've got a guy out here that's had to work um he's had to work some of the school shootings and you know just talking about some of the things that he's had to see you know little kids that just you know they're laying in the middle of the hallway and <clears throat> just the things that he has to see i mean if, if 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 he didn't have a group of guys that have also seen that and be able to talk to them i mean he'd go insane
1: there's no Absolutely. way to no way to acclimate yourself to walking into a building and seeing seven people he talked about no. a Super Bowl party no. he, he went to a Super Bowl party one time they had a mass shooting like eight or nine people dead and walking in there and talking about slipping the blood is real slick and you have to walk across it and stuff and just there's nothing you can do to prepare yourself for that it's like war you can't prepare yeah. anybody for what you're going to see in war and you can't yeah. pre- you you a trauma situation like that you just can't prepare people for. There's no way.
2: No, you're right, and it's not normal for the human brain to be able to process right. a dead baby or or someone who's been ch- chopped up. Mm-hmm. If you can say that's normal and you can deal with it, then that, you have some issues because <laughs> yeah. a normal human being should not be able to. You know, I can remember every CPR I've done on an infant mm-hmm. to this day.
0: Yeah,
2: it's not. It's not it's not normal to be able to process that. And so that's what I, I get across to, And when I left the, the fire department, I talked to a lot of young guys and I, I told them, I said, and I explained to them, I said, take this, take it seriously. When you guys go at, at you know, your point in your career, where I'm at, where you're ready to retire, um, really think about it. And, and really, if you need to get help, you know, clean clean your slate. Get, get rid of that shit. Mm-hmm. Leave that. I left that shit in Yakima. I didn't. I'm not bringing that shit to Montana with me. You know, that stuff's long gone. I've dealt with it. So I got way way more better things now that I'm going to focus on in life. And you know, and, and I'm not I'm not taking anything away. And from what we did, and that, there's been some incredible uh, moments in my career that um, there's people walk around this planet because of actions of me and my crews and what we've done. So it is extremely rewarding but those who do are looking at getting in and serving the, the public you do have to realize mentally you're going to be fucked up in your head right for a while whether, whether you like I said the military police fire ambulance whatever you it's just going to you'll have to deal with it but
0: well and and you and we're at a good we're at a better point now where we I think as a as a country we're taking better care of guys in your in your position police officers Back when Ron Jeff's dad was a fire, you know, seventies, eighties, yeah. and nineties yeah. guys just didn't talk about it.
1: No, they drank.
0: I mean, and and yeah. that's why you saw, yeah. you know, such alcoholism in these professions. Yeah. and you and you're
2: absolutely right. The stigma was your pussy.
0: Right, you can't handle it.
2: Got to yeah. go see counseling, and that's so fucked up. But I get it mm-hmm. because that's just you got to man up and you just do your job. But it's okay to say, you know what, I I got a lot of baggage mm-hmm. I'm carrying um maybe it's time to maybe just make sure sort that stuff out make sure I get rid of the trash take the good stuff with me and so yeah it has changed um and um it's important too it's you know mental health and it's just making sure that we're all squared away and we live a good rest of your life because we you know those who did you did serve less like his dad did and so hopefully he's He's
1: well. Well, he's dead he's now. Dead. He died of cancer. He, he died of cancer last year. So yeah. he is well. He's, he's yeah. healed. He's a lot better <laughs> off now. The, yeah. This this election would have killed him. Yeah, so he, it wouldn't have done any good.
0: He <laughs> would be pulling his hair out if he saw some of the shit that's going on right now in today's America.
1: Now. Sounds
0: like a great man. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I will tell you this much. I think one of the reasons why in the 70s and the early 80s that those guys didn't really step up and need, ask for help. My football coach was a baton death march survivor. Those guys were, 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 the, were the generation before the, the, my dad's group of guys. Well, it's hard to go to a guy that went through World War II and to go to them yeah. and say, you know, I saw something that really bothered me today. Because 90% of all the men in that generation before them had all been to war doing stuff. and it's kind of like the PTSD and all that stuff. Those guys just come home from war and they put their boots on and went back to work. Now I know a lot of them had issues probably their whole lives, but those guys were not the kind of guys that were going to be sugarcoating some guy who saw something. Oh, you saw somebody in a wreck and they got killed deal with this shit. You know, I seen 16 of my buddies get shot, you know, storming the beaches of Normandy. So you're just going to have to learn to live with shit. And I think that's probably why we've gotten to a better place where we realize that people have emotional problems. Yeah, Before absolutely. we get off the fireman stuff, what is your record on CPR? Did you ever say? Did you ever have have a survivor?
2: Oh yeah, then, oh, yeah. And in fact, we have CPR has gotten a lot better because of the data that we've acquired. Not just us, but I'm talking um, the whole county, the whole state. Um, I can talk in Washington, but um, CPR has changed. It used to be breathing was the most important thing. But uh, what we have really changed and re- really realized that CPR is they're actually keeping the blood flowing in the system. And if you look at a human body, um, the, the C, they call it high um, um, high performance CPR, to where it's constant. You're constantly doing great CPR, and you're rotating guys or gals through it quickly, so you got fresh bodies on that because that they've just found it so much important, more important to get that that. The constant blood flow, and so um, you're seeing a lot more survivors. Before it was when I first came on, was unheard of. The, the survival rate for CPR was like I want to say less than 20 percent, if that. Now we're up to over 50 percent to 60 percent in survival because of the different CPR techniques and um, the, the quick, you know, pre-hospital uh, care that we're doing and being able to do that. So um, yeah, I, we definitely have. Um, I've I've been um, over probably a dozen people make it because of CPR that we've done um, over the years. And more so, like I said, near the end of the career back, you know, in the um, early two thousands when they really started changing that and stuff. So um, yeah. So if any, any of the viewers, that's the best thing you do. You don't want to put your, your lips on the dirty ass mouth. You don't have to just push on that chest as, as, you know, deep and fast (laughs) as, you know, at a good rate and go take a first aid class. They'll show it, teach you the same thing. And, um, no, that's that's what saves lives. Really, is that just pushing on that
1: chest? Dad was a hundred percent, seven for seven. Zero, they all died. They
0: all died. <laughs> Every one of them. He, <clears throat> that was his joke out here. He said, "If you need me to do CPR out here, you're fucked." Because I am, I am seven
1: for seven, and they're all in the graveyard. Did do you guys in, in Yakima? Did they run the ambulances with the fire department?
2: They do. They do. We have a, and it was actually a blessing because a lot of departments to to justify them they would they would have an, a paramedic and an ambulance and they transport the fire department to actually transport. Where we just we didn't do that. We ran EMTs and on fire trucks and we respond with the ambulance. So we'd do our stuff, throw them in the ambulance and send them off and go back to bed. The most, whatever we needed to do. The, so
1: the thing that's got to be frustrating on that is the amount of overdoses that they're having to run these days and giving narco oh. Same guys over and over and over again.
2: <laughs> it's funny. I'm just talking about that again today about the Narcan. We started carrying Narcan about five years ago. Narcan is a drug that makes heroin overdoses. Any opiate all of a sudden de- uh, be suppressed and they come up um, like nothing happened. And so we started carrying it because it's very convenient. Our budget for Narcan for the department is unbelievable because of the amount of people we brought back. Oh, and it's just, I don't know, maybe this sounds impassionable, but it's like, at what point do you just, right. enough is enough. You, you're, you're a leech on society. You're, you're taken away from something where I could be helping someone who really needs help, yet you decided to put yourself in this situation um, and do drugs for your whole life and overdose and and cost the taxpayers money mm-hmm. and cost possibly someone like i said you know i could be responding to another incident or another engine has to respond from further away so it's just i don't know this this whole thing about continuing to just do the keeping bringing the drug addicts back and and now they want to legalize that they in portland what they've there's no legal drugs in Portland or something like that anymore. And, I think so. Or, or I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, so you look at how easy Narcan is, and it's free. If you overdose, you're going to get rescued. But we've got i uh, I've got a buddy of mine, his kid has uh, diabetes, childhood diabetes. Fucking insulin's out through the roof. I mean, they can, you know, they can barely pay for this shit. And yeah. yep. they're just going to give away Narcan to a, a, a crackhead in an alley. Yeah. But this yep. poor kid... He's got to pay through the nose to get his insulin yep. to save his life.
2: It's just it's yep. fucked up. Fifty dollars a whack
0: for an Narcan. Time you,
2: yep, and, that adds up when you're doing when you're doing thirty, forty of them a month.
0: Now, how do do you just pop that anywhere, or is it like a, like an adrenaline shot where you have to go for the heart? The Narcan. Uh, no,
2: it's just uh, basically it's just your you just squirt it right up um, right up in their nose. It's, oh, okay. it's a nasal. Narcan you squirt it up there and they're breathing breathe in there and all of a sudden they they revive. Now there are the medics do carry do carry it in a, a bottle form where they can inject uh, directly into the main to where it's a lot faster mm-hmm. but no that, that nasal narcan that we carry you just squirt it up in their nose and then within a 30 seconds to a minute all of a sudden, they're talking to you like what are you guys doing here? <laughs> well dude we're breathing for you you're about to die <laughs> <Yeah>. again.
1: <laughs> and they're mad a lot of times cuz they lose their high.
2: Oh, absolutely. That we we teach all our new guys that be ready to fight or be ready to restrain them, because when they come back, if they and we've had that, we've had we've gotten into some altercations and, but we always have PD, um, yeah. we always have them there as backup, But now they can't do anything, so we're just stuck fighting them ourselves. <laughs> I have
1: a I have a shitty attitude, and after I'd done one Narcan to some guy, I'm gonna have a hard time reacting very fast to save his ass. If you want to yeah. die, go right ahead. I'm just. Yeah. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a good Christian. I'm not going to walk across the street to save your ass. If you don't want to well, help yourself, then that's yeah. your problem. Agreed. And that's. I agree. And I feel sorry I for the guys that get put in that situation.
0: Now, was was it hard for you to transition from firefighter to your desk job? Is that another hurdle that was hard for you in your career?
2: Very hard, because um, actually, when they put me in that position they made me a training lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And so I was in charge of training all the new guys and I was I did a lot of the physical work of the training aspect whereas a training captain he he kinda sets up the programs and does a lot more working with the state and stuff like that. So I was still hands on, but I'm now I'm physically out there training with the guys and I didn't want to do that shit. I wanted to be in the mix. I wanted to get in there with my my guys. I didn't want to leave my, my crew. I wanted to get fight in a fight. so but they, there's a reason they picked me. You know, it's not not like uh, volunteered. I volunteered. Was, I was a lieutenant, and I was up, I was up for it, and they chose me. So I, I, I now I look back and I'm honored, because if you're gonna pick someone to train your guys, don't you think you're gonna pick someone who's decent at their job? Yeah. So that's kind of I look back now that after the I was pissed off for <laughs> the first couple of months because I ruined it. I mean, it I was doing the I was doing a TV show, the grind, I was three year season. I was able to travel and do all that stuff. So I had to make a choice. Do I keep doing the TV show, um, qu- take a demotion and go back to firefighter, or do I, or I just suck it up, quit the TV show, realize this is my career, and uh, and so that, that's what I did. And I just you know it, this is this is what pays the bills. It's fun to travel and and do the TV thing, but when when it all comes down to it, I'm not getting a check from them that pays my mortgage and and puts food on the table. So that's why I I chose to to do that and I, I embraced it. And, uh, and there is, you know, you just got to look at your, the rewards. Um, yeah, you're not sitting there at three in the morning with your crew after just kicking ass in the fire and, and while the whole city's still asleep, you don't have that feeling right. of, of, of you know, satisfaction, but you do have a satisfaction when you're looking at, at guys now who are kick-ass firefighters that you, you were their training Lieutenant and they're, they're, they're the ones coming out of it and they're doing the things that you taught them to do that's where I would I look at my gratification and my satisfaction. So I always say I fight fire from a desk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of look at that like uh, like I do maybe like guiding a hunt. Like if I have a couple of days off out here and, like, I've not been out there with my guys and, you know, they're all cutting up about what's going on the last couple of days at lunch, I'm like, motherfucker, I missed it. Yeah. Like, well, what's yeah. the f- I slept yeah. in today. You know, I had the day off. so I didn't, you know, And, you know, listen, I've got a family and I've got kids, so – I need my days off now to keep my wife around. Otherwise she'd leave my ass, but oh, she wouldn't,
1: she wouldn't stay very long.
0: Yeah. She wouldn't stay very long if I didn't have that day off here and there. But I mean, it's, it's the same type of, you know, brotherhood and, you know, we're all in this together. And you know, when, when you remove yourself from that, yeah. it, it's hard to be like, well, shit, it's going yeah. on without me somehow. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's exactly right. And I get it. The same thing with the military. That's why you're about guys not wanting to leave their, their squad or their company. You know, after getting shot up or getting injured, they they want to stay and fight to fight because you know they're fighting for their guys, and that's the same thing, same mentality we always had. I I was very protective uh, when I was an officer, very protective of my guys, and so um, yeah, that was hard when they when they promoted me to to training lieutenant. and So, uh, but you know, I I did 20 years in in, in the trenches, yeah. so I definitely uh, definitely did my duty.
1: So. Okay, let's let's talk about the new life now. You keep saying you're farming ducks. What are you doing with these ducks?
2: Well, I bought a piece of little property in Montana, and it just so happens there's some birds that fly all over, and it just so happens this piece of property sits on, on the river, the Clark Fork River. And, um, yeah, so I've hunted a lot of um, land where I've kind of, you know, managed ducks and managed property and and. and but I've never built it from scratch. So now I have this beautiful piece of land, 30 acres, sitting in a, in a flyway. And next to the river that, I mean, there's 4,000 honkers that roosted on 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 my river next to it all season last year. And no one hunted them. Yeah. Well, what's... <laughs> mm-hmm. Insert me. Yeah. <laughs> and a, and a... <laughs> you know, you kind of figure out where I'm going with this. I've already worked it out with the farmer where, you know, I don't have the big the, the tractors and all that stuff, but I do have the land, which is valuable when you're running cattle and stuff like that. So we've got a plan where I'm going to start, um, we're going to grow some wheat and some barley and some, and some um, buckwheat and, and some corn and, and, uh, just play, man. Just have fun. I I got my buddy let left a skid steer here for me and, I jumped on it, next thing you know, I'm building a duck pond. So,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Was Montana always the exit strategy, or did you look at some other states before you settled on it? I Montana? looked
2: at – Montana was always dear to my heart because I lived here when I was young for about three years, when I was, when I was a young man. Um, and so I was always – I always kind of wanted to come back to Montana. I did look at Idaho, but realized that entire state of California is moving to Idaho. <laughs> and – so and so um and i looked at wyoming but wyoming just doesn't have the waterfowl draw that montana does i've hunted montana um a couple times on the tv show both tv shows and it's always done it's always been very good to me the scenery it can be unbelievable depending where you're hunting so that's just kind of where i just wanted plus i can i do like chasing big game once in a while and And being able just to buy an over-the-counter elk tag and be able to hunt bull elk over the counters is pretty awesome, too. So um, it's just something that, yeah, I've just kind of been drawn to. That's where I wanted to – I looked the hardest in Montana, and it it was really easy to to decide once I started really doing my research and and wanting to get somewhere where I just kind of, like I said, had my own little, little world where I didn't have to mess with dumbasses anymore.
0: Yeah, well, Montana's the place. Just give it time, though. If they, if California, uh-huh. if all those assholes figure it out, they'll be. I don't think they're going to stop uh-huh. at Idaho. The little fuckers.
2: If no, the,
1: no. If no. the people would come from California, and move and realize they're escaping all the shit they're getting sick of, but don't come here and try to change it to where they come from. That's what the problem is.
2: That's absolutely right.
1: And it's that way. Yeah. in Austin, Texas, is that way now. They've turned it into fucking law. La, the east, East La is what all of central Texas is becoming fast. Yeah. It's,
2: it's sad. We're not going to be, I'll be. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for my, for my kids and my grandkids, you know, right now I'll be dead before it gets here, but it's gone. it's coming. It's all coming. It doesn't matter where it's all coming.
1: By 2050, you won't even be able to tell the United States from, uh, from a lot of places. I don't think, I mean, Europe's not the answer. Europe's a shithole.
2: Oh, Canada's not the answer. No, fuck no. Got, that's about it. There's socialist society. Look at how much everything costs up there. I just,
1: yeah, I don't know. Someone told me today. They said if you take out the eleven metropolis areas in the United States and just dissolved them, United States would be a great place to live still. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's exactly right. Problem is, that's where all the people are. That's that's, you know, it is. But I would much rather be where you are in Bridger, Montana, or to be in Napoleon, North Dakota. Than I would to be living in Los Angeles or Austin, Texas, or anything like that in a heartbeat. Yeah. And if I was raising kids, I don't, I understand raising kids and you got to make money to raise your kids. I mean, the money's what makes the world go around. But if you can give up some of that money and go put your family in a small town, you're doing your family, a, a, you're screwing that family by not doing that if you can. Not everybody's in that position to do that. I understand that. But if you can yeah. do it, take less money and move to a small town and spend time with your kids and family because. Mm-hmm. once you're once your kids become 14 or 15 years old they don't have no use for you till they're about 30 anyways
0: yeah <laughs> that is true we started this podcast yeah. when i was about 30 so that, that's that's a living testament to that
1: because yeah. <laughs> before that you don't realize i mean that's just the way it is we're all that way you've yeah. got a you've got a daughter how old is she two daughters i have a
2: 30 year old who's just uh, just a rock star she's all over the place you don't know see her i Try to get her on podcast. She's too busy for for me. And, <laughs> and then I got an eighteen year old who just graduated. She just graduated with her AA as well. So I'm super proud of her. She's going. Unfortunately, she's going to Seattle Pacific University. But hopefully, she gets done with that and moves out somewhere. But you know, she she understands where I where my political philosophy lies and what I believe in, my values and family values. So. Hopefully that carries her and she doesn't get brainwashed by some of the, the BS that's going over on, you know, on, that, on that left side but of you, the coast.
1: But you had two 14-year-old daughters in your lifetime. About 14 is when they become stone deaf and they're smarter than you are. My brother's got yeah. a daughter that's that way right now. Oh my God. Don't matter what the fuck he says. She knows more. She just. Yeah. But it's that age from 14 up is when it hits. Now, at about 27, 28, kids start realizing that their parents weren't so stupid and they they get a guilt, you know, well, I was a real asshole to dad or mom all those times. But it's hard. But to raise those kids, especially in the big cities nowadays, is I I couldn't imagine having a daughter anyways.
0: You're not built for a daughter. Neither. I I don't know. Well, I say that. I don't know that any guy that hasn't had a daughter that imagines having a daughter. Like, you seem like you've handled it pretty well. But – I don't know. I, I've got two boys, so I've never had to put myself in that situation. But, like, you're a lot tougher, I think, having a girl. I think you're a better parent. Because with me, like, I'm just like, ah, they're boys. They'll figure it out.
1: We had a, contact, we had a conversation about sex the other day with, with kids. And I, and, I, and I said that I don't want to think of my granddaughter having sex when she gets that age. But if she's 16 years old and she has sex, that's not the end of the world. I mean, it is, but it's not. I mean, it's it's life; it happens. But if my 16 year old grandson is getting laid, it's a different type deal. You know, yeah. you're just you just, don't look at it that way. Just his attitude, saying it like that. Well, but that's the way that we look at it as, as men. That's the way we look at it. But if you yeah. got a 16 year old daughter and she's having sex, it ain't too bueno.
2: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, it's so funny you talk about this because my my 18 year old just came out here with her boyfriend she's seen him for two years. And I've never really seen them hang out because she does live with her mother. So I, I've met him a couple of times. But to see them, and she's 18, she's an adult, she's yep. graduated, he's an adult, he's 18, good, great kid, hard worker, not like most kids, he's out here helping me take fences down and stuff like that. But just to see him with his arms around her or cuddling <laughs> in the couch is like, I had to just, I either went to the bar or went outside. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
0: But, but it was that's, just like
2: it's just different. It's yeah. Just like if it was a boy it's like, oh whatever, yeah, you your girl your girl's hot or your girl's yeah. cute. But when it's your daughter, it's like I'll kill you if you do anything in my house. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even though I'm I can't say that they are. She's really Christian. Yeah. She's really, really Christian. She's we've even talked about it. She's even told me "Your dad. You know I'm a, a really strong Christian, and I have beliefs. And I said, "Perfect. That's I great. don't. You need to be a virgin until you're 30. That's all I'm
1: asking." <laughs> but, but that that is that is a normal deal. When Andy was 14 years old, they had a school dance, and Andy's father-in-law was a chaperone, just like I was. Now, here's the story. It's funny. Andy wasn't dating his wife at the time; he was dating her sister. No, or I'm dating? Or you was dancing with her sister. That's all I was. He doing. was dancing with his sister-in-law at the time. We were in junior high. Yes. We were in fucking okay. junior high. I'm not. Give me a break. But, but Andy is dancing with her and he's got his hand on her ass. No, I did not. Yes, he did. And his dad, her dad Lower is standing back. next to me. And I like, I said, you Lower know, Charlie, back. I said, I bet we're looking at this a little bit different. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you sitting there seeing Andy have your daughter's ass cheek cupped in his hand. No. And you're thinking, I want to kill that little bastard. I'm thinking, that way, way to go, son. But that is just the way we look at it. It's a different deal. You embellish so much shit. It was not on her ass.
0: Do you think as modest as I am that yes. I would do that at a at a junior high dance?
1: Yes, Yours? I would. No. So you never like grabbed you, for you for never it. grabbed your sister-in-law's ass. Never. This is going to change everybody listening to this podcast that listens to it all the time never. are going to think completely different of you Andy now.
0: It's a small town. Listen, Alex. I went to I had 30 people in my graduating class. Like all girl they got good genetics. they He's awful nervous now. I'm you very nervous. See us? I'm fucking sweating, <laughs> sweating. Listen, I went to a small high school. Options were limited. You had to explore them all.
1: I don't have a problem with you dating the sister and the How sister. How did this
0: turn to on me? I don't we were, know. But, we were talking about.
1: Matt, I don't understand. Matt Reagan used to tell you if you dated the mom, you'd have the whole trifecta going. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I look back on my childhood and some of the people that we had out
0: here and some of the shit that I heard, it's amazing I turned out as well as I did.
1: <laughs> so anyways, your 18-year-old daughter brung her boyfriend It's been every, and they stayed with you for a little bit and he worked outside. Today, that's yes. a good mark of a good kid. That's got to be refreshing. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It really is because
1: so much now, like
2: even our, it's hard to even get my, my stepson who, who he's, you know, 18, he's, Hard to get him motivated. I mean, he's a good kid, he means well, but just that's a kid. I know kids, yeah. And so, this kid is out there, but but I think I didn't think he wanted to get an invite to come out and shoot a deer. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good though, that's on the farm, but yeah. that's okay. Whatever your motivation is, if you're out there sweating, pulling fence posts, wrapping up barbed wire, you got my permission to, to shoot a deer, maybe not bone my daughter, but you can <laughs> shoot a deer. <laughs>
1: But he works hard. That's good. I've got an 18-year-old kid that works for us, and he works. You can't find five kids that are 18 years old that will work. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, nope. he, he does a good thing, and I'm telling you right now, if I had a daughter and Gabriel, the kid that that works, works for us, was dating her, I would be happy. Now I know some, he does have an old van he bought called the MILFMobile they ride around in, so
0: he got an old uh, Astro van and uh, he's taking out like the back seats. He's putting in a stripper pole in the back. I mean he's he's putting in some money on this thing. The van cost a thousand dollars. He's gonna spend about five in remodeling it. So I don't know. You might retract that statement, Jeff. But he's a great he's kid. 18 he's an eighteen old, year
1: old I mean. kid, but he works. But he but if you tell him to work, he don't try to get out of it, he does it. No excuses. Don't matter what you tell him to do. He don't mind getting his hands dirty. And you can't find that because most 18-year-old kids are buried in a fucking iPhone or on a computer. And they don't even – kids today don't even have tans no more because they stay inside all the time. Right.
2: Yep. Yep. They don't want to go outside and enjoy. Like, we're in in some incredible country right now. And and it's like, even as much as I love my daughters, like, go outside. Mm -hmm. Go enjoy. But she's on her – I went viral today or whatever on Snapchat or
1: whatever daughter. What's the fishing like on your place? Really good?
2: You know, I've been so busy. I haven't been able to really get um,
1: fishing, but from what I understand it's I mean it's
2: it thirty miles away it dumps in the Yellowstone River. I mean it's uh you got some world class fly fly fishing up further up, you know, on the western part the state um but i think it's gonna be pretty good once i actually i'm kind of in a a transition phase right now because i don't want to buy a a, a non-resident license because i'm so close to being able to buy a a resident hunting and fishing license so i'm just you know a couple months away so i'm kind of holding off on doing all that stuff um but i'll I'll let you know as soon as i do that because um yeah I, i plan on doing a lot of hunting and fishing once i just get this place in shape um a couple old couple I bought this about 30 acres like I said this old couple owned it he was a doctor um, a brain doctor and then but he had got in up with parkinson so he was just they and they they just this property is way too much for them and so i've, I've spent the last month just um getting rid of trash and and um pulling fences and i mean yeah there's just a lot of work but you know that's it's part of it it's just something I own this chunk of beautiful land now in Montana that I can claim my own. And I hopefully don't have to leave very far to hunt it. You know, I'm hopefully going to attract a bunch of, well, I mean, every day there's deer in the field. So I I got plans of putting deer stands up there and, you know, um, just hopefully not having to travel far to do much.
0: I, uh, I, I see you on Instagram. I see you on your story, you're working like a, like a mule cleaning this place up.
2: Crazy. Yeah, to, it, about I'm putting ten to twelve hours a day. Um, I said it's just like the, what I've done is just like if you look look at it before and what it looks at and that, like now, it's like and I'm not done. This is just the beginning. <laughs> I, I plan, yeah, I plan on putting a big shop up here for the for the company. You know, big pole pull shop for the for gun dog moving it in there. Um, I, I, I've even toyed with the idea of maybe open up a little. Um, like a little store in Bridger just as a headquarters to just have a place, an office. But who knows? We're just, you know, right now, just taking one day at a time and cleaning things up and, and getting ready for winter because it does get fucking cold here. <laughs> I remember that, you know, like, but that's just part of moving here. And that's hopefully keeps a lot of the Californians from moving here. Bridger's, a, exactly
1: Bridger's right. a cool town. Um, are you, Is it the, a lot of forest where you are at or are they still to the west of you a little bit? The forest
2: is not far. I mean, we're we're 30 minutes from Little Town of Red Lodge, which is the foothills of of, of uh, the uh, Custer National Forest, which goes right into Yellowstone. So we're or not you know Yellowstone. I think the East Gate of Yellowstone is two hours from our house. So we're we're not far. There's there's um, I know there's bear been through the property. I know wolves have come through here. Ooh. Cougar are constantly through here. Um, I'm sure there's been an elk or two that has wandered through. I know they're not far. There's a small elk herd. Um, so we're, you know, we're right at the transition, the way I kind of look at it, to where you really get into a lot more agriculture. There is agriculture on the west side of the state, but then you got the big mountains, and you, you just, it just seems like you have a, a lot more big game over there. I mean, you do find your birds, but if you're going to bird hunt, it's from about where I'm at, east, um, all the way to the, the Dakota border, is where you're going you're gonna to get into really good bird hunting. And so that's kind of where I just kind of, I don't know. If that's just, this place attracted me because I I've hunted around here. I know people who live here,
0: and so. Now, last year yeah. you were hunting uh, in Idaho, weren't you? When you were sending me all those pictures, that was on the Snake River, was it? Was it? Let me uh, see. Let me go back and look. Was uh, Idaho? Was it, was it? Or was it? Or was it Oregon? Maybe Atlanta? it was Oregon. Oh shit! I don't have the pictures anymore. Well, if you get a fair, if you um, get some
1: free time this winter, you need to come down and see us.
0: I would
2: love to. I, now I do have free time. I would love to hunt with you guys.
1: Yeah, You're welcome. Anytime. anytime. So
0: what? Uh, I, I, what's... Uh, so it, it, you got the new bumpers out for gundog. You've uh-huh. got the safety yeah. kits that I think... Er, if you're guiding a waterfowl hunt or participating in a waterfowl hunt, I think you need to have one or two. One in your pickup, one in your blind bag. You got the quick release system. Blowing off
2: is crazy. It's ridiculous how that well that's going. It's like everyone loves it. Now. I mean, it's just that the uh, that the first aid I, I put a i wanted there's some people reach out they wanted the first aid kit because we made it originally in blaze orange so you mm-hmm. could find it real easy upland bird hunters love it because they can put it right on their vest and snap it on or their belt whatever but there's waterfowl hunters who really wanted that uh, uh darker color that blended in and then, so i came up with the, the hunter green i call it just a basically the olive drab and, and black and so that's a uh, it's a sharp product. It's a good-looking product. More more so, it's a well-put-together product, very th- thought out. And so, it's just, like I said, Cabela's reached out to me. They wanted to carry it. Um, we sold a ton of them, people who get feedback all the time, people um, saying they've used it on their dog, dog, I mean, a bunch, you know. So, it just makes me feel great that I'm able to put a product out there that that people are using and I'm getting feedback from it. And so, um, yeah, doing that in the bumpers, I was working on a dog vest, but – it's just hard to. I got a prototype, but I'm to, to work with the factory to actually do it. It's just been a headache. So um, right now, I'm just focused on continuing doing what I do, and I got other ideas I'm I'm wanting to do. But you know, now that this is my main focus with the company, I'm going to start traveling more, doing some big shows. Um, I got again, I got a bunch of ideas that I just. It takes obviously money, and it takes time to to field test these things and and do stuff like that. So um that's kind of where we're where we're at just slowly i'm not trying to just ex- blow up and expand because a lot of times if i blow up too fast and financially i can't afford it. i mean <sighs> i have no i own the company i have no right um real investors i, I mean, this is my savings i put into the company and it's and I'm, I'm operating in the black so i'm doing something right in my opinion we're growing we're doubling in size every year so um you know i i can't i can't say that i'm not i mean there's i make mistakes and things but I'm learning. And the, the easiest thing I found is just have great customer service. If someone's not happy with your product, let them return it. No questions asked. Maybe I'm going to eat the shipping on it. Oh, well. You know, they. I, and so that's my, my whole thing is just like incredible customer service as best as I can. I, I don't ever want to have a complaint about, oh, that customer service sucks because that's not what we're about. It's like if you legitimately um, aren't happy with our product, I will refund your money. I will make sure you're happy because – that's just – we work way too hard for our money to just piss it away on product that sucks or you don't want. And so that's just my whole philosophy.
0: Well, that's exactly right. Are you going to Game Fair this year? I am. I'll be there for – we've got a big booth this year. we got a full
2: booth. Um, cool. Um, the, the, the show the, – our display is amazing. It's going to be beautiful. To, yeah, if you guys are around, stop yeah. by. Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll be it, up there. We're going to be up there the second weekend. second the week weekend the we'll the be contest, there. so. Beautiful. We'll get together and have yeah. some road sodas or something. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be great. Well, listen, yeah. I, I know you, you've got uh, you got a whole farm to clear off. Um, I'm I'm glad that you, you're at retirement. You're at a good place. I'm glad we finally got you back on the podcast. And, uh, you know, keep kicking ass out there. And we look forward to uh, Gundog growing. And uh, we're proud to, uh, you know, be a part of your team and, and spread the word about Gundog.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to thank you guys because you guys are awesome. What I love about you guys is you guys keep it real. And you talk about real-life stuff, and you don't pull any punches. And your your values are right there where they need to be, and you're not you're not a bunch of sellouts. And um, so you guys do outstanding, and I will be with you guys as long as you guys have your podcast and keep kicking ass, guys. We
1: appreciate it, Alex. And um, we'll let Andy buy us a beer in Minnesota, and I'll look forward to seeing you then.
0: I'll buy
2: Sound good, guys. Right. Thank right. you. See you, you have
0: a good day. Bye damn it i forgot about that
1: Yeah, you're slipping andy slipping alex Langbill, interesting guy well he lives in a beautiful place too man yes, sir, we drove knows. through there and i was be pretty jealous if i drove through there and i think he gets to live here and i'm stuck in west texas <sighs> yep all right, all right thank y'all for listening to us remember we're fixing to release the rules for the giveaway
0: about another week or so and then it'll go live first part of august all right we'll run it about a month
1: all right. Thank y'all for listening to us. God bless y'all and have a great week.
0: Check out all of our great sponsors. Go check out Gundog. You need that uh, You need that field trauma kit and you know you do. Or if you got a shithead dog like me, you're going to need the uh, quick release. Check out Pacific Calls, Dive Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, Dirty Duck Coffee, Lucky Duck, Looking Glass, Duck Club Podcasts, Go- Goose Creek Retrievers, Bangtail Whiskey, EyeSight Drone Service, and Stanfield Hunting Outfitters.